0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for another Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orrico 99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We're still posting daily content over there, different articles, including our pickups of the day, Two-star pitchers. We have weather breakdowns for the week. We have a bullpen article that goes live every week. A lot of great content still over there uh, at Ethos Fantasy BB. It goes out right at the source at SportsEthos.com. If you guys are not using Twitter or X, I don't really like calling it X. I think it's kind of stupid. Usually, still call it Twitter. But whatever it is you guys are calling it, if you're not using it, uh, SportsEthos.com is where you can find all that great stuff right from the source. Now, we are going to get to another mailbag today. There's only a couple of them left in the season, but every Tuesday for the rest of the regular season, I am going to answer your questions like I have been doing for the past couple of months now, I think. It's been a good while, and I like the routine that we've been in. Tuesday, I get to your questions. But I do want to, before I start answering these questions, just plug tomorrow's show because it's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to have Sarah Sanchez here as a guest. She's going to be coming on for the first time. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. She is a huge Cubs fan. Uh, we're going to talk about the chances for the Cubs to get into the playoffs. We're going to talk about Justin Steele. We are going to talk about a draft that we did together uh, at the beginning of the season. Actually, last November, it was the first draft that I did for 2023. Uh, it's the league that I'm in with Britton Allen, uh, Kevin Hastings from Pitcher List, Frank Stample. Uh There's a lot of great people in that league, and Sarah's one of them. We're going to talk about uh, that league a little bit. And then we're also just going to talk in general about how you stay competitive over the last few weeks slash last month. Of the fantasy season, and how you avoid kind of you know bad tendencies that some people might uh, tend to have this time of year, so we're just going to be talking a uh, general strategy to stay competitive uh, over the last month of the season as well. so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, that one will be going live, so we're going to be doing it. I think tomorrow about two thirty eastern time, I gotta double check that two thirty or one thirty the time zones always mess me up a little bit. Uh, but that one will be out tomorrow afternoon. So if you guys haven't done so already, really uh, recommend subscribing to the show. And then you get these podcasts right into your feed, uh, right when they do get posted out. But we are going to be talking uh, about some of your questions here. And we'll start with one from Nathaniel. Should I drop Kikuchi for Sheehan, Wicks, or Quantrill, or Tanner Scott? I'm still in on Kikuchi, especially if you're just looking at the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Blue Jays have a pretty favorable schedule facing Oakland, and then they face, right after that, Kansas City. Texas, after that, is, is a little bit of a wild card, for sure. Uh, but for right now, for sure, uh, I'm keeping uh, Yusei Kikuchi from that group. Wicks, I'm not really 100% sold. I know he's had a, a couple of really good starts uh, to start his career, Jordan Wicks. Is he somebody that I'm going to trust for the long run, rest of the season? That'll be another thing I, I ask Sarah tomorrow, uh, for sure. Because she is obviously uh, the, Cubs, the Cubs specialist, and he, he has looked very good. But I, I'm not really fully sold. What we've seen from Kikuchi over the course of the season has been excellent. He's been a top 150 player. Uh, if you look at the various player raters, that's generally where he is about 150. He has a 363 ERA, 126 whip. 152 strikeouts uh, over 143 innings. The strikeout rate has gone down a little bit, but so has the walk rate dramatically. He has nine victories. He's been really, really good. Uh, he's going to be lined up to face Kansas City on September the 8th. So at the, for the very least, you know, I'm holding him for that one. I, I just can't see an argument right now uh, for taking any of those guys that you listed. I'm not a huge Cal Quantrill guy. I know that every now and then he'll flash it and he'll have a really good outing uh, like he did you know, the other day against Tampa Bay. I'm just really not sold on him as a whole for fantasy. Last year, he had a really good season. He won 15 games, which just, you know, it is kind of lucky. Any pitcher, you know, it's really just all a matter of luck in terms of if you're going to win 20 games or 10 games. It's really not really indicative of of your skill set. He did have a three thirty eight ERA, one twenty one whip, which are solid numbers, but we've seen that this year. Uh, He has been out for a good while, Cal Quantrill. Uh, I forget exactly What it was that he was out with, it was a shoulder, I think, maybe it was an elbow, no, I think it was a shoulder, Uh, but over the course of this season, what we've seen so far, 73 innings, a 616 ERA, a 151 whip, I just don't don't think there's a lot there for fantasy purposes, even if you look at the strikeouts like this year, 40 strikeouts in 73 innings, he had 128 strikeouts last year in 186 innings. That's just really not going to do it for you. And even if you just see this Tampa start, even though it, you know he performed fairly well uh, in six innings, just the two strikeouts for you. So there's not a lot to fall back on with Quantrill. The team context is iffy at best, and the strikeouts aren't really there to go along with. Pretty poor performance in general. Uh, so I am <clears throat> a long way of saying uh, sticking with Yusei Kikuchi uh, out of that group there. Next question we got: uh, drop Tyro Estrada for Jorge Polanco. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think Estrada is still fine in a lot of cases. Um, if he's your worst player, then I'm okay dropping him for Polanco. Polanco has been really good. But I, I want to reiterate, Estrada, you know, even over the last month where it's kind of been not the greatest in terms of counting stats and whatever, he's still batting 275, seven runs, 10 RBIs in that time frame. It's not terrible. Only one homer and one steal. But over the course of the season, Estrada has been really strong. He's got eligibility all over the place, second short in outfield, 10 homers, 19 steals, 274 batting average for the year. That's really, really good. Now, that being said, Polanco has been raking. For you know, a good while now. If you look at the last month, he is nearly a top 35 player. Six homers, three steals, he's batting 315. Really solid stuff uh, at the top of that Twins order. He's been really good. Even if you just look at yesterday, three for three, he had a home run. Uh, he scored three times as well. I like Polanco, and I would make that swap there. I think that there's maybe, if you look deep at your roster, might be somebody worse that you could find than, uh, than Tyro Estrada. But if he is your worst player and Polanco is still sitting out there available I would take the plunge. In, in a lot of leagues, Polanco is available. Uh, only 51% rostered on Yahoo. I guess that is people starting at this point. More so than starting, people are fully, like, drifted away from baseball in a lot of cases. So you might be able to find uh, Jorge Polanco just sitting around on your waiver wire. It wouldn't shock me. Like I said, 51% on Yahoo, second and third base eligible. He's been raking for a while, uh, <clears throat> so that should probably be corrected. Another question here from the same guy. Uh, contemplating as well dropping Ellie De La Cruz for Royce Lewis. I could definitely see the argument for it, but I personally just couldn't do it with Dela Cruz. Like he's just still so solid on a week-to-week basis. Like, look at the last two weeks. He's batting 183, which is awful. It's brutal, but he's still nearly a top 100 fantasy player in that time frame. Ten runs scored, nine RBIs. He has one home run and five stolen bases. If you look at what he's done in such a short time frame this year, in only 317 at bats, 11 homers, 24 steals, 55 runs scored already. There is so much upside there, even if you're just talking about a week span. They're playing at home right now, they're facing Seattle, and they're going to be facing St. Louis. I like him, even in the short term, in the long term, whatever it is. Uh, I'm definitely taking him. Now, I say that, and I also think that there is a reasonable argument to be made that Royce Lewis should be picked up. Now, again, Delacruz, I don't know that he would be your worst player. It would, it would be crazy to me to think that there's nobody worse. I don't think he specified here. Um. what no you didn't specify uh, how many teams there are Um, but it's you know I just can't see him being the worst player Uh Polanco has been stupid red hot like number two player over the last two weeks number four player over the last week that's the whole player pool that's not just position players or whatever that's everybody he's been really hot even if you look back over the last 72 at-bats seven homers three stolen bases I would advocate getting him on your team if you can but I wouldn't do it at the expense of Ellie Dela Cruz. Dela Cruz's upside in that ballpark is just ridiculous. Royce Lewis is going to be very good. Is he going to be this good, you know, over the course of a two week span, 13 runs and 22 RBIs. That is kind of just a ridiculous hot stretch. That's not sustainable in terms of those counting stats. So I, I would look at that and I'd say, yes, I'm adding him. He has looked excellent. Very high pedigree prospect. Who's never really had just a full healthy run of it. And we'd be able to see like what he's actually capable of. So, Maybe he is this good in terms of, you know, the power and speed. The counting stats are not always going to be that high. Uh, so I wouldn't look at that and say, well, look at what he's done. The De Dela Cruz can't do that. Dela Cruz, even though the strikeout rate is ridiculously high, even though his batting average has not been great, he's still producing. And I think I still would take him over Royce Lewis in the short term or in the long term. Uh, he's the guy that I would go with. But I would pick them both up if possible. Uh, I got a fantasy football question that somebody asked in here, which is kind of funny. Um... <laughs> I've never posted any kind of fantasy football stuff. I've commented on the odd football thing here and there, but I've never, uh, I've never done football content. Um, so yeah, I didn't answer that one. Uh, I just responded and told the guys I don't cover football. Unfortunately, uh, kudos to the guys who are able to cover multiple sports, but now that baseball's is winding down, I can definitely see myself hibernating uh, for the first month there after the season ends. But the next question here uh, is about Sean Murphy. How are we evaluating Sean Murphy coming into next season? Remember, this is initially how they played Darno and Murphy together to start the season. Then Darno' injury led to Murphy being the best catcher in baseball with consistent playing time. But since the All-Star break, especially Murphy, seems unplayable. This is something that I had talked about a couple times, and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, We talked about it earlier on in the season, what that playing time was going to look like for the Braves catcher situation, it was a question coming in preseason, early in the season as well, when Travis Darno was getting pretty regular playing time, and it seemed Bumble's, if memory serves correctly, uh, more playing time than Sean Murphy. He would play two out of every three days, and Murphy'd get the, you know, he'd still play pretty regularly, and he'd DH and stuff, but I think it was Darno with the slight edge. You know, he'd play six games where Dar- or where Murphy would play five and that kind of thing. So this has been interesting to see Sean Murphy, despite his ridiculous production this season, not getting every single day, pretty much in every other day, uh, at bat kind of guy in that lineup, and it has made him, like the guy pointed out, pretty unplayable, um, for fantasy recently. Now, Travis Darno is somebody who never plays a hell of a lot of games. You got to always remember that Travis Darno, pretty much every season of his career, is getting hurt or he's missing time or something. The most games he's ever played in his career was in 2017, it was 112 games. If you look back over the last few years, though, this year is 59. Last year, 107. The year before, it was 60. That was the short year. Uh, 44, 92, 103. He's never playing a lot of games. He's just never really getting, uh, I don't know, he's never really healthy. And when he's healthy, he's always kind of a strict kind of platoon kind of catcher and not getting full A-B. So I don't know that we can, the question is for next year, like how do I project Murphy? Where would I rank Murphy? I've What I answered is about 10. I think he'd be about number 10 in my catcher rankings because I still think over the course of the season, whether or not Darno is healthy, you're going to see Murphy get those at-bats. I don't think Darno is going to be healthy, which definitely does factor into it. But even when Murphy is like in the lineup, even if it's not every single day, if it's a daily change league, it doesn't really matter to He's still producing you know relative to most catchers a lot of the time the lineup is still excellent i'm still going to want to put him in there when he is healthy and in the lineup and you know he is 91% rostered in yahoo for that reason even though it's not always great in terms of a weekly setting you're you're still getting those stats out of Murphy to some degree. Now, recently it has been really bad, which I think you can attribute to just more of a random kind of bad streak for him where he hasn't really been putting the bat on the ball as well as he usually does. Batting average has been lower. counting stats have been a bit lower, which is random. In that, in that lineup, it's very random. You're going to have high accounting stats when you play for the Braves. And I think Murphy, you know, we've seen it throughout the whole course of the year In only 328 at bats, 67 RBIs and 60 runs. So you still have to rank him fairly high. If you look at the course of the whole season, Murphy has not played as many games as we might have hoped, and especially coming from last year where he played you know, a, a hell of a lot of games. He had, I think, the most at-bats, played appearances for a catcher. This year he's played 95 games. Now, I think there has – I think there might have been a stretch where he missed like a week or two potentially, but you know, it's not, it's not something that I'm looking at as being a huge concern just because of the strength of the lineup. If he was in the same situation right now, like still in Oakland, or playing for any other team, it would be more of a concern. But like I said – 20 home runs, 67 ribbies, 60 runs scored. He's batting to 68. He's still been viable for you, especially in those roto leagues. And head-to-head leagues at this point, I would drop him probably, you know, in those one-catcher leagues. I think that that would be be fine. 10, 12-team league, uh, one-catcher leagues. I think that that's probably fine just because there's decent replacement level value for catchers right now in those shallow formats. Two-team, excuse me, two-catcher, 15-team leagues, NFBC style. You can't really afford to be dropping Sean Murphy. You have to be holding on to him. But I don't think I'm that worried in the long run because your question is more about next season than this season. It's not something that I love, but the production is still going to be there in the long run, I think. For Roto players, it's really not a huge concern. For head-to-head players, obviously, it can kind of suck. If it's a daily changes league, then you know, it's it's not the biggest of concerns for me where you can have another catcher that you slot in there, especially if you roster Murphy and Darno in a daily changes league. That could work out. Darno is also getting up there in age, so it's another question of, How many years does he really have left? Uh, You know, I think he's 35 years old right now, so I don't know that we're going to see that much more out of Darno behind the plate necessarily. He'll be 35 uh, before the start of next year. His birthday's in February. I don't know that he's going to be taking away that many catcher reps as he gets older. How many guys catch into their late 30s? I'm really not sure. (coughs) Excuse me. I do think that Murphy is still going to be a very viable catcher. It definitely is annoying. Don't get me wrong. It, It definitely sucks. But I just I just can't be that concerned considering you know the, the depth of that lineup and the production that you're still going to get out of him. Uh, but we'll move on to the next question here. Um, Where is the next question here? Uh, it was just about tonight. This one was a daily streamer question. By the time you guys hear this, it'll have already happened, so we'll see if it was a good pick or not. Uh, but Brady Singer, a good stream today versus the White Sox. I said it's a bit risky, but it's probably fine. Brady Singer hasn't been the greatest, but if you're just looking for volume, if you're looking for a potential for you know a spike of 8, 9, 10 strikeouts, it's definitely possible against a pretty piss-poor uh, White Sox lineup. He hasn't been great this year, definitely has taken a step back from what we saw last year after kind of a breakout. Not even kind of a breakout, he did have a breakout, uh, but not really this season. That hasn't been something we can rely upon. In stretches we have, uh, that being said, I think you can still use him pretty comfortably against a team like the White Sox. Uh, utility spot moving forward, uh, Jason Dominguez or Royce Lewis. I went with Royce Lewis. I think Dominguez is going to be really good. But you never know. You know he can just have a good couple of games here, and then he's going to regress a little bit back. We've actually seen Royce Lewis do this over the course of like a good month now. Uh, You know, over the last like 70 at bats, he's been really good. If you look over the course of the whole season, there's 167 at bats. He's batting 317. It's a much bigger sample size. And I'm willing to take a chance on somebody who has shown it to a a bigger extent. We're both in the similar kind of prospect situation. I know Dominguez is a little bit younger, uh, but I would take Royce Lewis there uh, pretty easily if we're talking just I believe you're talking about rest of season here. I don't think this was a dynasty-related question. Dynasty, I'm not even really sure between the two of them, to be honest. I think it's probably Lewis, but I'm not the biggest dynasty person. Uh, It could be Dominguez just as easily. I'm honestly honestly really not sure. But for a redraft for the rest of the season, uh, I would take Royce Lewis at this point. Uh, We have another question here. It was ranking six guys for next year. Uh, It's a points league. Home runs is four points. Stolen bases is two points. Anthony Volpe, Jazz Chisholm, Royce Lewis, uh, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, and Jordan Walker. I put Jazz at the top there. I think the upside with Jazz Chisholm is still the highest of anybody in that group, and Jazz Chisholm is still somebody that I think in his career will spike a first round fantasy season. I think that we will see him return top ten value at some point. He'll, you know, if he is healthy for a whole season, we'll see. Like, uh, you know, especially with these stolen base rules now, uh, over a full season for Jazz could see like 40 stolen bases 30 home runs I could see something like that with you know probably 100 and 100 in terms of runs and RBIs and you know a 280 kind of batting average like I could definitely see that 270 maybe uh, but he is gonna at some point spike a first round fantasy season that is the talent level there I don't know that that's necessarily the talent level with these other guys that being said I put Jordan Walker second on this list uh, you know just ever so slightly ahead of Royce Lewis here Jordan Walker hasn't played as much as we probably would have liked this season, but you know, in 329 at-bats, 14 home runs, six stolen bases. He's batting 274. He is in a great lineup. I've talked about this repeatedly over the course of the year. St. Louis is disappointed. It has mostly been their pitching staff that has disappointed them. Their lineup has been rock solid, top seven top 10 offense in the most metrics in baseball if you look at the most simple metrics like uh, batting average and hits per game and things like that top 10 if you look at the more advanced metrics wrc plus the ops pluses the wars and things like that they are still an elite offense walker in that lineup i think regardless of if you're playing points leagues or if you're playing in a roto head-to-head category whatever it is Walker is going to be a huge stud, and it wouldn't even shock me if he does surpass Jazz on a volume basis or on a per-game basis in that lineup, followed by Royce Lewis there. And then Anthony Volpe afterwards. Anthony Volpe is somebody that will have a lot of value in points leagues because he doesn't drag you down with that batting average so much. He's batting 218, but in a points league, 20 home runs, 22 steals. Fifty-five runs and fifty-seven RBIs. He's had a very good first showing in the big leagues. As much as you know, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I don't, I don't like to see anything good happen for the Yankees. Anthony Volby looks like he's going to be a really good thing for the Yankees for a good while going forward. Here, this is how he produces in his first season. Uh, you got to think that the, you know, the future is very bright for him. Uh, but I think that he is still a little bit behind, even though the batting average doesn't directly kill you. It will still give you less hits in a points league than you would have from those other guys, where you're going to have a higher batting average. Um, so it does hurt you to some extent, just not in the same way necessarily. Uh, and then I put the two Tigers guys at the end, Spencer Torkelson, and then Riley Green, which is it's really tough. Like, you give me a really tough grouping of players here. Spencer Torkelson, it looks like he's going to hit 30 home runs in his first full season playing in a, what is not so much a pitcher's park anymore. It's more neutral, but it's, it's not a great hitter's park, Comerica. You know, those changes they did bring in the wall in, um, you know, it really helped Spencer Torkelson, it appears. Uh, He's had an incredible season, 25 home runs, three stolen bases, the three steals is whatever, but 75 runs, 72 RBIs. He's batting only 230, but with the counting stats you've gotten out of him with the 25 dingers, you'll take that and then some uh, every single day. He has been fantastic. I would put Riley Green at the end, and it's kind of splitting hairs, I think, between him and, and Torkelson. It's it's pretty close between the two of them, honestly. If you wanted to flip-flop because you get more steals out of Green, that's okay, but there's a lot more power with Torkelson. Based on what you said, four points for a home run, uh, I would go with that order. So once again, Jazz, Chisholm, and then uh, Jordan Walker, Royce Lewis, Anthony Volpe, uh, Spencer Torkelson, and then Riley Green. Jesus, I had Hunter Green in my head for a second, and I almost said uh, the other Green. Uh, I think that's it for the questions, though. I think I got to everything here. Let me just... Double check, and I think we did. Yeah, usually I'll kind of pick and choose a little bit. Uh, Actually, no, sorry. There was one more question, actually. Um, So my league is in the playoffs head-to-head categories. The pitching categories include wins, Ks, saves, ERA, whip, and innings pitched. Would your strategy be to pitch everyone and at least take wins, Ks, and innings or play it safe and stay matchup-dependent daily lineup? I don't like when leagues have that kind of specification. I do not like when there's an innings-pitched thing because I don't know that that really should be counted for anything you know Jordan Lyles is throwing these eight inning nine inning complete games all the time should you really get credit just because he's thrown out there just because the Royals just don't give a shit anymore uh, you know they don't really have viable replacements the Royals are such a joke I think they're actually worse than Oakland now a team that went into the year trying to compete they've actually I think I think they're below Oakland in the standings but anyway I, I don't know that innings pitch should be a category that a lot of people use but regardless if that is your your your, your league set up I wouldn't put too much weight into that. You get the usual five categories and then innings pitched. And I think we can get into this when there is one different category or one new category that is introduced into a league, whether it's on base percentage instead of batting average or it's innings pitched on top of whatever else. We see that one new category and we focus a little bit too much on it. So, in an on base percentage format, we look at anybody from whoever wants or or anybody and we just think, oh, they're God. They're an absolute God in this format. We get us on base. It's like, well, that's one out of five categories. It's not something that you have to put so much stock into, I don't think. And in, th- in this case, you, know, you can put stock into it. You know, Certain players are a lot better. Certain players are a lot worse. It definitely changes things. But I think we tend to overvalue, and I think that might be what you, you might be doing here uh, if you're talking about you know, just playing every single player and at least take uh, the innings pitch. It is one of the six categories you're going to play every single pitcher regardless of matchup, then I think that you're probably setting yourself up for failure there. I think you still have to go through your matchups and say, okay, This is a good matchup. This is at Coors Field. This one's going on the lineup. This one's sitting on the bench. You know, there's certain things that you still have to do. Just because you're going to get another four innings pitched out of it doesn't mean you should allow another five earned runs and blow up your whip. Another, you know, I think that even in those innings pitched formats, which again I do not like, you have to be careful and not just start every single player because I think it will end up biting you in the ass more so than it will help you. You might end up winning wins and strikeouts, but then if you just lose ERA and whip and saves because of it, eh. Is it really worth it? I don't know. I think it's better to have a more balanced approach, and I think it's better to you know take take a look at your lineups, and, make sure, and especially because you're saying it's daily lineup. You don't have to lock these in before the week. Take a look every single day. Take a look at daily projections if you're able to, and just see if it makes sense to start a guy or use your noggin and just see, okay, this is a great American ballpark. This is in Colorado. This guy is going against the Braves, whatever. And then those guys go on the bench. But uh, that'll be it for us today. I appreciate everybody tuning in again. I want to remind you guys, Sarah Sanchez will be joining us tomorrow afternoon. Going to be talking all things fantasy baseball, Cubs, a bunch of different subjects. So I hope you guys will tune into that. Uh, You can hit me up on Twitter. We're going to do a couple more of these mailbags. I think three more tuesdays until the end of the year and then uh that'll be it for the mailbag so get your questions in once again Rico 99 over on twitter and ethos fantasy bb is where we post again these podcasts all of our different articles different news and notes and everything else we got going on at the site but guys uh that'll do it we'll see you again tomorrow but until then take care have a great night and cheers.